So I am so excited to be kicking off this series. Let me tell you something. There's this magic thing that if you have kids or if you've had kids or if maybe on the inside you're still a kid, you have these or have had these in your house. And this is one of the greatest but also at the same time, one of the worst inventions of all time. You're leaning forward like, what is it, Keith? What are you talking about? I have an idea, but I don't know. Let me go ahead and solve this riddle for you. It's Legos. Mm-hmm. Legos. I heard someone say, ouch. Yes, yes, I see that hand. We'll have a prayer, a specific healing service for those that stepped on Legos this morning. You see, my daughter, she's 10 now. And she still dabbles in the Legos, but a few years ago, it was our thing. She would get them as a gift. We would get them on clearance because they are ridiculously expensive for these little pieces of plastic. But see, I had a job. My job was not to assemble. My job was to use the booklets, the guide sheet, and tell her which one she needed next and where it should go. And then her job is to find that piece and assemble it. That is how we worked. If I went against this, she would be mad at me because she wanted to build it. She wanted to build the house. She wanted to build the ship. She wanted to build the car, but then we're done, right? I'm like, yes, we've accomplished this. It's over. I want to display this in its glory on our mantle in the living room so all can see. But what does she want? She wants to play with it. She wants to take it on, and not just in the living room, mm -mm, she's gonna play with it some there and a little bit of it, it's gonna fall apart a little bit. And then she's gonna take it from there to her bedroom, which on the way there, there are these trail of little pieces still. And then she plays with it. And the next thing you know, it's really only halfway built and we've lost some pieces and we can never rebuild it that way again. And then five years later, my bare foot finds the missing pieces. And then I just, I just throw them all away. Legos are so fun and so destructive. Well, guys, we are in this series called Pigs in Flight. There are things that you have seen or things you've heard someone say, and you said, I'll believe that when pigs fly. Well, today we are talking about one of these pigs, one of these miraculous moments that God wants to step in, that God wants to intervene, that God wants to interrupt. And it's another thing that we all have that is one of the greatest inventions that has the potential for greatness, but there are at times, it is the worst thing imaginable. And it does not start with an L and end with egos. It is relationships. And listen, this message is not about, this is not a spousey type message. This is not about, so don't start freaking out because I'm talking about husband and wives, boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance. No, no, this is all relationships within our lives. You can apply this to your marriage. You can apply this to that type of relationship, sure. But today, it's about how you and I interact with everyone else. And specifically, not just relationships, let's go ahead and unlayer the onion a little bit, but broken relationships. Turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. 
And see, today, again, we're going to talk just like my daughter leaving her trail of Legos for my feet to find. There are times in our lives where we will leave a trail of broken relationships from one place to the next. How can we navigate through this? How can we end the cycle? See, today we're going to look at one of the greatest followers of Christ, especially in the early church, the Apostle Paul. And he dealt with this. This isn't one of those things where you're going to hear me talk about something that someone talked about. This is something that he lived, that he experienced. And we're going to take a glimpse, a look into the life of the Apostle Paul. And we're going to see how can we deal with, navigate, heal from our broken relationships. Because what's happening in this portion of Scripture is you have the main characters of this moment. You have Barnabas who mentored the Apostle Paul. And then you have this guy named Mark, John Mark, as we'll read. And John Mark, they were in ministry together and they served together. But at one point, Mark said, ministry's tough. I'm done. And he deserted. He ghosted. He was gone. And then there's this disagreement that happens between Barnabas and Paul. And that's what we're going to pick up in this conversation. I love it. I love it because it's relevant. Let's start in verse 36. We're going to go through verse 40. It says, And after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Hey, let's go check up on those peeps. Let's go see how they're doing. And then, here we go, Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. Say, Oh, no. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. It says their disagreement was so sharp. How sharp was it? They separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. And then Paul chose Silas. And as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. So there's this relational breakup that has happened between Paul and Barnabas and Mark. Oh, Mark, he is at the center of it. You see, this is a big deal in this culture, in this moment, especially in early church history. You see, Paul and Barnabas, they were like Batman and Robin. They were like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. That is the only sports reference you're going to hear from Keith because that's all I know is sports history because I don't watch sports. They're like peanut butter and jelly. And this disagreement caused them to go separate ways and to put their ministry at jeopardy. They had a broken relationship. And this is our big idea. This is everything that we're going to unpack today. And that we need to understand is that broken relationships break God's heart. Broken relationships in my life, in your life, they break God's heart. Now, I have a few disclaimers that I'm going to give to you. Because some of you, the second I said that, your defenses have come up. You're like, mm, you don't know about me. Mm, you don't know what y'all been through. Mm, maybe it should have happened. Mm. Here's some disclaimers. I'm not talking about today. We're not talking about our past. We're not talking about what happened what we're going to be looking at today is how moving forward from this day, we can respond in a way that pleases God in broken relationships. 
We're going to see today and be more aware of areas that our enemy Satan wants to destroy us in our relationships. This is not a day where I'm going to talk about what happened before, but it's what are we going to do now? What are we going to do moving forward? Secondly, second disclaimer, if you are currently in an abusive relationship, verbally, emotionally, sexually, physically, if you're in an abusive relationship, get out. Okay? This is, this is not sarcasm. This is not a hee, 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 hee. Get out. God did not design relationships for you to be abused. Okay? Harsh word, number three, third disclaimer. As we navigate through this message today, I believe that God may reveal some areas of brokenness in our lives. And if you need to see someone professionally, like a professional counselor, you need to do that. That may need to be your next step today. I remember when I had to make that step and see a professional counselor. It was the greatest decision, and God used it probably in more ways than I can even imagine. And guess what? At Thrive Church, this is why we value. Again, this is all about relationships. We will pay for three to four sessions for you to do that. Why? Because we value you. Because God values you. We care about you. And if that's your next step today, take it. Connect with me afterwards. Now, those are the disclaimers that we need to keep in mind as we go into this. Because, again, we're not talking about just random relationships. We're talking about the relationships within the kingdom. We're talking about our friendships, from people we share life with. We're talking about everyone that we have and come in contact with. Because eventually, it's not an if, it's a when, we will encounter broken relationships. So we have to understand and we have to know what do we do next. Jesus, in John 17, when he was praying he prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. Jesus said that, we, that the world, people would know that we are followers of him by our love, not for others, but for each other. So when, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, guess what? You're called to live in peace with other believers. And we're going to dig into this here in a few minutes. And again, my prayer, my hope in this is not, again, this is not a guilt trip, but this is the first step in healing, the first step of us moving in the right direction. How do we navigate these moments? Because guys, again, some of you are like, you know what? This healing that you're talking about, yeah, I'll believe it when pigs fly. Guess what, baby? God is in the miracles of making pigs fly today. God can bring healing. Why? Because God is bigger than our pain. He cares for us. He loves us. He's not going to leave us high and dry. But here's something we need to understand about broken relationships. Broken relationships create broken people. Broken relationships, they will create broken people. Well, how can you say that, Keith? Because I have been a broken person. The trauma that you and I faced in our lives, most of the time is going to be directly connected to a relationship, to something you've experienced with someone else. And then here's a fourth disclaimer. I couldn't give it to you till now because you wouldn't have gotten it. There are times in broken relationships, it is not your fault. It is their fault. Okay? As I shared earlier, this is a disclaimer for us to understand that we can't look at every situation in the same light. But God can use every situation so that we can become who he desires us to be. I remember when I was in student ministry, I would take this piece of duct tape 
and I would stick it to my pants leg, and then I would peel it off. And I'd keep talking, I'd stick it to my pants leg, and I'd peel it off. Stick it to my pants leg. Eventually, after about the sixth time, it kind of lost its stickiness, and it wouldn't stick anymore. And eventually, I would like slap it in my leg, and it'd just fall off. You see, for some of us here today, that's what we've been living our lives like when it comes to relationships. We move from relationship to relationship, from brokenness to brokenness, and eventually, here's what happens. Eventually, just like that duct tape, we lose our stickiness. We just live numb. We don't care about people anymore. We become just completely desensitized. We start living like this, keeping our arm out. No one's getting in this. Mm-mm. Been there, done that, been hurt. No, 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 no. Oh, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm blessed and highly favored. Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm, man, this is a beautiful day. And the entire time, we're just like, you better, you better not try to get close to me. I will kick you in the head. Because of the brokenness that we've experienced, we become numb to people. And we're trying to fake it. How can you say that? Because I have been there. How do you know this? How do you know that you're living with your arm out? Scroll Facebook. When you see someone post about someone having a bad doctor's appointment, do you have compassion or you just keep scrolling? Oh, you keep scrolling? Yeah, you're living like this. We're becoming desensitized because of the chaos and the brokenness that we see and that we experience. And guess what? God wants us to find healing. He wants us to move forward. Now, broken relationships, that's a lot of info. They are fueled by three things. Like, what causes them? What do you mean, Keith? Fueled by three things. The first one is anger. Anger is this first phase. You get angry. Everything they do makes you angry. They breathe. You see them breathing, living, and you're like, oh, they're breathing so loud. I just want to throw the stapler at their face. Anger is this first phase of a broken relationship. Why? Because it's reactive. It's the first thing that we think of, like, oh, ooh, you better be glad this desk is holding me back. We get angry with them. But that's not where it ends. Because, see, the th- here's the thing about anger also. If you have an anger problem, that doesn't mean it's just aggressive. There's also this other type of anger problem that's passive aggressive. And guess what? That's how most of us are. Most of us are going to just deal with it. Maybe that's because of insecurity. Maybe it's because we don't want to deal with it because eh, it's messy to have to deal with conflict. So we're just passive aggressively angry. And we stay that way. And this is what it leads to. The second thing that fuels broken relationships is bitterness. When you live in this state of anger, what eventually happens, just like that piece of duct tape, you become bitter and you stop caring about that person. They could be on fire and you would not call 911. You are so bitter. You hope they get, I hope you get that flat tire. Oh, I hope they charge you an arm. I hope your spare is flat. I hope you go to change your tire and your spare is flat. There's bitterness. And here's the thing about bitterness, guys. Anger, you see an angry person, you just think they're insane. Bitterness is contagious. You see a bitter person, you hear them talking bitter. Man, I can't believe they would do that. What you're doing subconsciously, you're trying to get people on your side. You're trying to get them to play your game. And eventually, the bitterness begins to spread like an infection. It begins to infiltrate other friendships, other relationships. And we don't even realize it because we're just venting. 
So anger, bitterness. Here's the third thing that fuels broken relationships, unresolved offenses. Unresolved offenses. It's not just offenses. We can all be offended. Guys, we live in a culture where everything, we all get offended about everything. Some of you might be offended that I'm wearing a, a Hawaiian shirt on stage. That's okay. I'll, I'll reply to your email with grace and truth because I love this shirt. I bought this shirt in the wintertime to wear it today because it's so hot. Unresolved offenses. We're holding on. Someone's trespassed. They stepped over the line and we're just holding on to it. Oh, you just wait. Oh, you just wait. Oh, you. Broken relationships. So you want to know why they happen? Because we're angry. We're bitter. We don't want to deal with it. We won't have that. We have these unresolved offenses. The writer of Hebrews, he says this, that the root of bitterness defiles the whole body, meaning the body of Christ. So when we hold on to these areas, it's, it doesn't just hurt us. It hurts the body of Christ. It hurts what God is wanting to be done. As I shared earlier, Jesus, when he prayed in John 17, before he'd be handed over for his quote, quote, trial, let them be one as you and I are one. You want to let people see God's grace, God's goodness reflected in your life? Love each other. We can't keep harboring this. Because here's what's going to happen. If we don't get this, if this just goes over our head in here, whoop, out the other, we're going to live a life where we're leaving a trail of broken relationships everywhere we go. Just like my daughter leaving the trail of Legos oh, across the house. We do that with our lives. We do that with our relationships. Andy Stanley, and this is where it's going to get personal. He says this. He pastors a church called North Point in Atlanta, Georgia. He says, wherever you go, you will always be. Imagine that. Wherever you go, that's where you're going to be. So you are the common problem in these cycles. Mm. As I shared earlier, sometimes it's not your fault, but we can learn from it. And then sometimes, it's my fault. There's a kid in college. See, I don't know if you know this about boys. When they're in college, they have nothing to do. So all they do is play pranks on each other. Okay? I could tell you some incredible stories. But there's this one kid. He's asleep. He's on the couch. Just, I mean, and again, that is some trust to fall asleep around people in a college dorm room. And his trust was broken this day. So there's this stuff called Limburger cheese. And I already heard some groans. That stuff stinks. It doesn't stink. It stinks. Okay? And if you don't believe me, you go to the cheese aisle at Kroger and just stand there as long as you can. I'll give you 30 seconds. It stinks. So they took Limburger cheese and they put it just below his nose. Then he woke up. Mm. It stinks in here. What have y'all been doing? He walks out, goes to the hallway. 
Oh, he says, oh, it stinks in here. It's everywhere. He goes outside. Oh, the whole world stinks. No. You just have stinky cheese on your nose. How often in our lives do we go from place to place to place? Man, this stinks. Oh, no, this place stinks too. Oh, no. This, oh, guys, we have some stinky cheese on our nose. And we need to get it off. Why? So that we can have healthy relationships with others. Why? So that people can see and experience God's grace and love and truth through our lives. That's why this matters today. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. There are people depending upon our obedience in this to experience God's unconditional love. So we have to come to a place where we actually have to ask ourselves, when we experience these broken moments, what is my part? What part have I played? And here's what we're going to do, because there's a lot of things we can't do when it comes to broken relationships. But there is something we can do. This is what we've got to start doing, okay? We can control our response. We can control how we react we can't control them. I cannot control the person cutting me off on 288 as much as I want to. But I can control if I lay down and give them the holy horn of righteousness. I don't have to do that. Guys, we can control how we react. We can control our thoughts. Now, this is very difficult. Why? We live in a very reactive culture. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. As you work through this, as I work through I I have to work on this. It's what I call the three-second principle. What is that, Keith? You wait three seconds before you reply or respond. That's it. Allow a moment of peace to transcend the moment before you reply to their anger. Because again, angry, bitter, anxious people, they are in their subconscious trying to pull you in, trying to get you to play the game, and they don't know it. And guess what? You don't have to play it. I love, love, love what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. I love it because it's so difficult because I don't know if I'll ever master this. He says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. How should you reply? How should we respond? In a way that is honorable even when and if you think they don't deserve it. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. We're going to tackle that sentence here in a moment to understand what does that mean to live in peace. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, don't do that. Do this. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. It doesn't clarify. Let me help you. Food, not poison. Food. Feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. We can control how we respond. We can control how we react. They're trying to pull us in, but we're not going to take the bait. Now, one thing that Paul talked about there is living at peace with everyone. 
Let me tell you something. That is very difficult. But you need to understand that living at peace with people doesn't mean you live in partnership with them. You can live at peace with people that you have conflict with, but that does not mean you have to go get a cup of coffee. That does not mean you have to have them over to your house for for breakfast or lunch, but it does mean that we have to reflect the grace of Jesus to them. It does mean that we have to treat them with honor. Why? Because God still cares for them. God still loves them. Just because you're living at peace with them doesn't mean you have to live in partnership with them. Listen, some of you, you have been hurt in in traumatic ways. And it would be immature and disrespectful for me to expect you to just magically forgive them and then act like it never happened. That's not what I'm asking you to do. Forgive them and be aware. Because you don't want things to repeat. But understand this when it comes to repairing and healing and forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a one-time deal. Forgiveness is a process. There are people in my life that, guess what? I, when they come to my brain, I have to pause and I still have to forgive them for what they've done to me. I may not be able to control them, but I can control how I respond. And I'm going to respond in a way that wants to show honor in a way that reflects the grace of God to them. Do I get it right every time? Absolutely not. No. But we're in this process together. Again, there is this sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Now, here's what's crazy. Later in life, Paul was writing a letter to one of his mentors named Timothy. These would be some of the last words that Paul would write because after this, he would go and he would be martyred for his faith. He would be killed. Some of his last words, he wasn't in a bed and breakfast just waiting out. He was in chains. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9 through 15. 2 Timothy 4, verses 9 through 15. Check this out. He says, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Cratians has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Here's something cool, fun fact of Luke. He's the one that wrote the book of Acts, the history of the early church. He would also write the gospel of Luke. So there's some fun information for you for Jeopardy later. This is the sentence that we're gonna pause at for just a moment. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in ministry. What? Yes. This is the same Mark that he had dismissed, the same Mark that he basically had called him a wuss for not enduring and for being deserted. He will be helpful, helpful for me in ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left in Carpus at Troas. Listen, guys, I don't know what's up with this coat, but it it must be an awesome coat. It must make Paul look good. I don't know. Also bring my books and especially my papers. And pay attention to this last sentence, this last portion. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. 
Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. Here's what's dynamic about this passage. We see the other passage that he wrote in Romans lived out. He's responding honorably when he talks about Alexander the coppersmith. He says, the Lord will deal with him. Paul all but burned the bridge between him and Mark. All but just kind of like, just blew that bad boy up. And then here, at the end of Paul's life, bring Mark, because he's going to be helpful. See, here's the crazy thing. When this split took place, when, when Barnabas and Mark went this way, and then Paul and Silas went that way, Barnabas continued to mentor Mark. He continued to pour into Mark. And this is something we've got to comprehend and remember of why is it broken relationship break God's heart? Why should we do everything we can to act honorably and maturely and, and monitor how we respond? How should we make sure we're not living in anger or bitterness or unresolved offense? This is it. Write it down because bridges burned today may need to be crossed tomorrow. There may be a moment where there is a broken relationship. We have to make, be very careful and use godly wisdom to not make permanent decisions based off, based off of a temporary feeling or a temporary moment. God has called us to build bridges in our relationships, not burn them. Well, how can you say that, Keith? Because God did that for us. The greatest example of this is our good God. This is what he did with Jesus. God had every right and still has every right to not be okay with us, to hate us. We've sinned against him. We've broken his law. We live lives that are completely contrary and act like he doesn't exist. But yet what did he do? God having no fault in this said, you know what? I'm gonna build a bridge for them. I'm going to send my son Jesus to this earth so that he can die, so that he can be tortured. But on that third day, he can come back to life. And by faith in him, they can be forgiven of their sins. We can be reconciled together. We can have a relationship with our creator and it's not because of us, because we did nothing. We did everything to destroy it. We did everything to burn the bridge. But God, in his unconditional love, built one for you and for me. And it's that same unconditional love that he is guiding us, that he is directing us, that he is drawing us into deeper relationship with him, to know him, to follow him, to allow our lives to mirror him because it's not about us alone. God wants to use you where you are to display his glory, to be a beacon of light, that when you encounter these broken relational moments, when you respond with honor, when you respond with grace, the person that is angry, the person that is bitter, the person that is offended, they are taken back They're like, what? It's like, man, you just heaped some coals on top of my head. I was mad at you, and you gave me food. I said I was thirsty, and you brought me a, a glass of water because soda's bad for you. In your life, I can't answer this. There are areas of brokenness that God is going to challenge you to deal with. 
here's what I love about our good God. He is going to help you because he cares about you and he cares about the other individual. Yes, broken relationships, they break God's heart. But thankfully, he is going to guide us into a place of healing. Now, again, some of you guys, we all have a next step today. Maybe that for you is to take a step towards forgiving the individual. Maybe that's taking a step of maybe separating from someone that's toxic in your life because you can live at peace, but you don't have to be in partnership. Maybe for you, again, as I shared earlier, it's taking a step towards getting professional counseling. Guys, we have words like this. Guys, this is heavy. This is heavy, but here's the truth. If you want to see the miraculous, if you want to see pigs fly, you got to grab the pig. You got to wrestle it. And as we wrestle this together, we're going to see God do incredible things. If you would pray with me this morning. God, we're so thankful that you care for us. That God, you love us. God, you love us more than we love ourselves. You love us enough that you sent your son to die for us. You sent him to be our bridge so we can have a relationship with you. God, help us as we leave this place today. God, open our eyes to areas that we have ignored. God, if we're living in anger, if we're living in offense, or if we're living in bitterness, God, help us to see this and help us to process it in a way that is wise, in a way that is honorable, as Paul wrote. God, help us to respond responsibly to moments of chaos and moments of brokenness when someone lashes out at us. God, let us not be a mirror, but God, let us set a standard of honor. Father, you are guiding our steps. God, I pray for peace. God, to enter in your peace that goes beyond our understanding. God, I pray you give us wisdom to live out, God, these valuable scriptures today so that as people encounter us, they encounter you. They experience your love. They experience your grace. God, they experience your truth. As we continue to pray this morning, you may be sitting or watching and and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, and I want to encourage you and tell you that today you can make the greatest decision and begin to follow Jesus. And all we have to do to have salvation in him, to cross that bridge that God made for us, is to believe and to confess, is to believe that Jesus was God in the flesh, that he came to this earth, that he died for us, that in his death and resurrection we can be forgiven of our sins and we can have eternal life to believe that and then to confess that. And today, if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus in a way of confession, just pray this prayer with me and say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe that in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I am forgiven of my sins and I have eternal life with you. I confess that you are Lord of my life I surrender everything to you. Guide my steps and give me wisdom. 
your holy name we pray. Amen.